millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've been told I'm intimidating, tenacious, tiny but mighty, whatever you want to call it. I've always been ambitious, always had a plan, always wanted to forge ahead. I've also always been told I couldn't do it. And I've fought that. I've fought that like hell. I don't like to admit it, but fighting it has hurt. But I've been determined. I've done it. Unfortunately, there's something about this situation that has made me realize that I completely, utterly, irrevocably have had the, ha- have had the fight beaten out of me. I knew this would be hard. When school was canceled until April 15th, then May 1st, then forever, I knew it would be tough. So I sat down a minute. I sat down and I thought, how the hell am I going to sit here and still be ready to keep going when this is over? Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. Today's topic, the final edition. Today, we're happy to have another Enterprise team reporter, Claire McNeil, back on the podcast. And also joining us is Marin Fell, who has inspired us all at the Times here recently. Marin is graduating this year from Hillsborough High School and is the editor of the Red and Black, her school newspaper and, we might add, the oldest high school newspaper in Florida. The clip you heard at the beginning of this podcast is Marin reading a first-person story that was featured in the last edition of the paper. I'm going to start with Claire. Claire recently wrote about Marin's inspiration to create a last edition after her school shut down the pandemic. Um, So Claire, talk about why you were inspired to write about Marin. Sure. Well, we're all uh, saturated with coronavirus news now every time you go online and finding a story idea that breaks through that can be tough. Um, But one day I was scrolling and I saw the screenshot um, that the red and black students had posted of their Zoom call um, and everybody rallying to put out one last edition. And I thought that was um, very I I loved that in this extremely abnormal moment that this was kind of one final quest to do something normal and to cap off the year with um, an issue that mattered, that marked this weird moment. Um, And to see a staff of students doing that from home, I thought was just really cool. And I wanted to know more. So I reached out to... Uh, Their advisor, Joe Humphrey, who actually back in the day um, had a brief stint at at the Tampa Tribune and was a former reporter. So uh, he and I connected and he's like, you got to talk to my students. So it went from there. So Mary and I, obviously, when we read the story, we know kind of some what was going through your mind. But take take the uh, listeners back to um, it was a weird experience, right? Spring break. You guys are going away suddenly the world changes. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we actually left school. It was Friday the 13th, which I guess is fitting for what happened after. But we all thought that we would just be gone for maybe two weeks at most. So it wasn't really something that we considered to be a huge disruption. And then it became abundantly clear that it was a huge disruption, not even a week later. I think it changed so quickly. And so when school was called off until April 15th, I called Humphrey and I was like, look, it's clear that we're not going to be able to publish a final edition. And I think that we need to, um, especially given everything that's happening right now. I think we're so inundated with like all the latest stats about coronavirus and, you know, the most recent discoveries and there's all this, you know, political noise that's going on as well around the crisis that I think it was important to just sort of break through that and talk about the people in our community and the people that our readers and our students cared about. So that was really the goal, I think. What, what was his reaction? Because, I mean, he could have easily said, all right, kids, we're done for the year. Like, did, did he want to do this with you or did you have to talk him into it? Um, he, I don't think he was surprised because I'm <laughs> very much, I think he's gotten to know me pretty well. I mean, I was in his J1 class freshman year and then <laughs> I've been the editor since April of my sophomore year so he's gotten pretty used to my like take no prisoners we gotta keep keep on rolling along kind of attitude so I called him and I was like we need to do this and he was sort of like I knew you would say that but also it's a lot of work so are you sure and I was like yes of course I'm sure we have to do this so he was totally on board and that was good what what did it mean to you I mean I know so you've been you've been the editor for a long time uh, right? Almost two years. Yeah. And um, so there's clearly some pride there in having a newspaper with that kind of tradition. How much of it was like feeling like you needed to do it for history's sake or, or how much of it was just personal for you? I think it was a good mix of both. I think every issue that I've had, there's been sort of this thing in the back of my mind, like the red and black, not only is it the oldest high school newspaper, it's also, you know, gotten a lot of accolades over the years that I've always kind of, I didn't want to be the editor that let that down. So especially being a younger editor, when I, you know, became editor in chief, normally people start their senior year, I was really nervous about sort of letting down the legacy of this paper. So I always kind of made it my quest to make sure I didn't do that. So that, that sort of notion definitely played a role in my decision, but also like on a more personal, I guess, level, this was something that I really cared about and I didn't want to just let the last issue fall through. I didn't want to just, you know, throw my hands up and be like, well, I guess, you know, the March issue was good. You know, I'm a senior, I can just let it go. I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't let the readers down and then I didn't let the history of it down as well. How did you go about picking topics for stories and, and how is it different than your normal process of putting together a budget? Um, it was actually pretty normal. It was pretty organic. I mean, it was over Zoom. So there was kind of a weird lag with the distance and, you know, sort of figuring out, figuring out how to go about things, you know, remotely. But other than that, the process was pretty normal. We just sat down as a group and we talked about the things that we knew students were doing and that you know, we knew teachers knew about and we talked about all of the things that um, just the kids around us were talking about. And that's sort of normally where we get our story ideas because we want to make sure if it's something that's important to like a group of people on campus, that's the kind of story that we wanted to cover. So we went from there. 
you guys, I mean, this, this really has come to define your senior year, what's happening. Um, and I suppose, I mean, there's got, you know, have some sense of pride to look back and say, well, we, we captured that, right? We collected all those stories and we, we captured, we took a snapshot right now. It's been awesome. I've looked through the magazine a lot of times after it was done, actually, and I've kind of just grinned at it. I was like, wow, you know, we put this together. It looks great. There's a lot of really, really good content. And I think above all, not only did we push out a last issue, I think the final edition that we pushed out was an important one to have because it told stories that were important for people to read. So that was good. It's going to be such a touchstone for your classmates, you know, to be able to look back on that and be like, here's what I lived through in the here and now. I mean, I know all of us love that the newspapers are like the first draft of history, but this is like your slice of the world that's happening right now that's so unprecedented. I think it's an amazing gift to be able to give to your classmates as well, you know, for them to have that to hold on to. And I know, Claire, you were editor of your paper. Maria, you were editor of your paper, right? I was editor of my paper. Like, we, we feel you, you know, it was like 20, 30 years ago, but I, that responsibility of like giving your classmates this, this curated piece of history is such a wonderful gift. Wait a minute, you gave me a promotion. I was a uh, features editor. Um, uh, I was very low on the totem pole, but you know. <laughs> but we were now all our editors. We were all high school journalists, right? Yep. Everyone no, my high school, mine did not have a newspaper. I went to a, a very, um, uh, very underfunded high school in, in uh, South Jersey, and we had no newspaper. And so my friends and I created a literary magazine that was full <laughs> of really bad poetry, mostly mine, and really bad drawings, and printed that and handed that around the school. So I think I have only living copies of that. Yeah, <laughs> we, don't, we do not speak of those those poems. Marin, what did you write about, or did you have a byline in this last edition yourself? Yeah, I had a couple. So I wrote a personal essay. We had a whole section on personal essays, and that was kind of nerve wracking to publish because, you know, it was personal, <laughs> honest, intimate. And I think that was actually one of the reasons this story that Claire wrote was nerve wracking because it was like a look into me instead of me writing about other people. I was like, oh no, they're going to know who I am. So <laughs> that was nerve wracking to write, but I'm glad that I did it. And then I also wrote a story about a group of people that at our school that created a social media page that's sort of sharing um, what students are doing during quarantine to sort of lift everyone's spirits. So I thought that was something we needed to cover. And yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you remember, what was your last words of either your column or that story? Because I, I can still kind of remember the last words from my high school paper. What did you, do you remember yours? No, but from the letter from the editor, <laughs> um, we always write those when we have a special edition or an edition that's just different. And since April of my sophomore year, I've ended every single letter from the editor with happy reading. It's something that 
Humphrey has made fun of quite a few times in Final Six in the classroom. So I made sure to say, you know, sort of for one final time, happy reading. And, you know, he was like, really, Marin? And I was like, yes, yes. Lane, you remember? I, now we must know. What was your final high school story? Well, it was a, a column, just like Marion's, it was about changing the window on the world, how my window was going to be a different viewpoint now, and I hoped everybody else had a, a different window or something. But not, it was not that eloquent, but. <laughs> <laughs> Marion, what are your plans for this fall? Well, um, so right now I'm planning on attending Arizona State, uh, planning on attending Arizona State, but you know, it's hard to say what the fall will look like. So I'd love to say that I definitely will be in Phoenix, you know, at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism in August, but you know, you never know. So that's kind of nerve wracking. Um, I was going to say my high school career, I think I remember writing about who made the varsity cheerleading squad. It was not, not a high point. So, um, <laughs> so you, I know Claire talked about this a little bit, Marin, but you know, going into journalism now, um, it's a, it's an interesting time for your generation. What what are your thoughts about that? You know, pandemic aside, um, just being a journalist right now. I think that being a journalist has always been a really important role to play, but I think now more than ever, um, I hate to use that cliche, but like now more than ever, we definitely need to have them. There's so much that's happening, and there's also so much circulating about you know journalists maybe not having the best intentions, which is, you know, as I think we all know, probably not the truth. But <laughs> I think it's important to make sure that everybody has access to information all the time, because everybody deserves to be in the know with their community and with their country and the world. So even on like a microscopic level to a larger level, people deserve to have information that's accessible and that they can understand. So I think that we need more people who are willing to assume that role, even though it's, you know, a changing landscape and it's challenging and people, you know, might not always be your number one fans. That's just something that we need to have. What brought you to, uh, I mean, so you were, um, according to Claire anyway, you were a very shy kid and um, you got some support from your teachers to kind of find your voice. Yeah, yeah, I was super shy. My mom used to wear these really long sort of like hippie-esque skirts when I was little. And when I met new people, I kind of, I recall very vividly like hiding behind them. So yeah, there was definitely a huge, a lot of character development happened since then. <laughs> but in fifth grade, I read a book about Ida B. Wells and I did a book report on it. And I was super inspired by her because she changed so much with just her words. And I was like, well, maybe I can do that. Like she was writing. It's not like she was standing up and speaking in front of these giant crowds. And I found that really empowering as someone who like cried when new people talked to her as a fifth grader. And then when I went to middle school, my seventh grade English teacher, Miss Finch, I also had her for eighth grade. She was always really encouraging of my writing. And we talked a lot about it just all the time like I mean in middle school you're just sort of writing FSA style essays it's not like you have a huge amount of space to branch out and do all of these interesting things but we talked about different ways I could use that a lot of the time and I found that really empowering so when I got to Hillsboro I knew that I wanted to join the journalism program and that's just what I wanted to do. What, what was it like for you to be interviewed by Claire? 
because I've been doing this for 30 years and it's still really weird when someone interviews me on the other end. What was that experience like for both of you guys? Because it's weird to interview journalists too, right, Claire? It's like... It's weird because they see through you. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I think the, the pleasure of it also is that um, when you ask really weird specific questions like, what were you eating then? Or do you remember the exact time you got a text message? Or what music was in the background, they, they don't pause before answering because they know the value of those details. And also everybody in the class was super game to let me just sit weirdly, silently on the Zoom calls. So that was, that was great. The access was uh, very much appreciated. But I'm sure it's weird to be on the other side of the interview. So I'm curious for your thoughts. Yeah, it definitely was. I think I texted Humphrey about this quite a few times. He was like, how are the interviews going with Claire? And I was like, she's great. She's doing an awesome job. But also, I kind of hate this. <laughs> I'm super uncomfortable. It's really strange. I don't, I kind of felt like a fraud. I was like, I don't think I deserve this story written about me. Like, there are so many people doing all of these things. And I'm just here in my corner, you know, editing stories on InDesign. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. So the fact that I was being interviewed, I was kind of like, well, this is kind of, this is very strange. <laughs> that, that uh, I'm sure I would have felt the same way if the tables were turned. It's a good experience um, to have, though, I think, because then you realize what, what, we're, what we're putting people through. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, Mary, do you have a, do you have a particular uh field of study at ASU? Are you going to do, is it, is there a print or is it just journalism? Um, it's just journalism. They do a lot of multimedia there, which is why I, yeah. which was one of the reasons I was really interested in their program because I think that, you know, moving forward, that's where a lot of jobs are going to be. So I wanted to be well-versed in not just, you know, developing a print publication, but also developing content for the website and, you know, sort of owning that craft. So, yeah. It's a great school. I hope you get to be there in person. Me too. How are you guys coming with uh, print copies? Yeah, I just texted Humphrey about this, actually. So I should be getting some probably this week, and then other people will be getting them to their doors, I would assume, next week, depending on how long it takes you know, for them to get to everyone's houses. But yeah, I'm excited. How was the reaction? Did you, uh, I mean, you, so you published online and then, and then the school decided, your advisor decided that you had a little extra money and you might be able to, to print copies and send them out. But how, what's the reaction been online so far? The reaction has actually been surprisingly really good. I mean, <laughs> I think that a lot of high school journalists will understand this sentiment. The work that we do is very unthinked <laughs> on a high school campus. I think that people think that we just go to a classroom and in like 25 minutes whip together a newspaper and then they see it and they're like, oh, whatever. And then they toss it in the trash. <laughs> you know, there have been a lot of times where I've walked outside of 506, which is our classroom, onto the patio and have just seen like magazine pages or newspaper pages just strewn across the patio, blowing in the wind or kids like crumbling them up and throwing them at each other. So I was kind of expecting people to be like, well, Marin, this is really cool, but also eh, whatever. But people were actually really supportive and really positive about it. Um, on Issue, which is where we publish digitally, we actually had more people that read it than the combined total of any of the other newspapers that were published. 
Wow. Wow. While I was editor. So that was awesome. And people were really, you know, really excited about it. And a lot of people reached out to me and were like, I'm super happy that we're going to have a printed copy of this because this is such a moment that we're going to remember, which is actually why we ultimately decided to print it. So. Yeah. Um, you, we, we did focus on you obviously in the story, but um, you, you had a number of people uh, help you out and be enthusiastic as well. I mean, it was, do you feel like it was sort of the same feeling that you had that you wanted to capture this moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously with a high, with a high school staff, there are some people that are really in it. And then there are some people that are kind of just there to get their grade and move on. So, you know, there was a little bit of that, but there's that with every issue, but there was certainly a group of people that, you know, really, really wanted to publish stories and really wanted to tell the story of the really weird time that we're going through right now. So that was super great to see because I had this group of people that wasn't just like, oh, Marin, we have to work at home. They were like, I'm really excited to do this. And they thought it was important too. So How many good. people on your staff? I feel like I've <laughs> told everyone different numbers. It's like 16, 17, am I right? Six. I printed 17, 17 according to Humphrey, yeah. but he wavered a little bit too. <laughs> Uh, a lot of movement this year, a lot of fluctuations. I think 17 is right, though, yes. And how many editions did you guys do this year? Um, I'm pretty sure that this was our sixth one. Oh, great. Yeah, that's good. I wasn't even sure a lot of high schools were still printing papers, you know? Um, so it's nice. Well, and I did, I had not, I did not know the history of the Hillsborough High School paper. So that, that was nice to know that it's right here in Tampa Bay. It was also cool to learn that the paper doesn't face a lot of censorship or kind of authoritarian measures from the top. Whereas having been a student journalist in college um, and hearing stories of peers at different colleges, yeah. it can there's some horror stories out there of administrations squashing things. So the, the kind of peaceful <laughs> relationship and trusting relationship at Hillsborough was uh, very heartening to hear about. Yeah. Now that's good. And a good advisor too. Yes. That helps. <laughs> well, congratulations on your addition and uh, good luck at ASU. And hopefully you'll hire all of us later when you'll run <laughs> the show somewhere. <laughs> Uh, if you have a question for Marin or for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Or find us on our Facebook group. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Allison Graves. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.